for me, I think that's how I get the best out of myself. I'm not necessarily sure I was racing at my best when I when I was like going into races, knowing that I would probably win. Um, but going in, like, I don't, I don't want to embarrass myself. I want to belong here. Um, it, it does bring like my own level of racing up a notch as well. And how I handle it is just focusing on small achievable goals that I have control over in the race. For example, I'm gonna be more aggressive in the swim today. I am gonna try to get up to that first pack in the swim. Or on the bike, I'm just gonna focus on holding certain amount of watts or just being aggressive and going with the race and, and seeing if I can stay with the good athletes today. So I think small achievable goals for me has reframed that like big scary thing into how can I execute my best day. You never will have a performance that's like 100% goes according to plan or that you will be 100%. There's always something you can improve on. And especially for me right now, there's so many things that I need to go back and work on. But I feel like that's what also keeps me wanting to keep training and be in the sport. It's like there's so many things you can improve on. And even if you think uh, you're getting better, like there's always more. But yeah, before the races, I don't really think you really know you're ready. And then during the race, kind of going back to what you were saying this morning about staying present, uh, I really found that very powerful in my last two races to just uh, leave all the expectations, uh, leave all the chatter that goes on in your mind aside and just really focus on uh, getting the best out of yourself. Uh, you do have to enjoy the race, but I, I mean, there obviously will come a point where you have to push a little harder than you have ever done in training. And for that, I, I feel like it's really helpful for me to just stay present, stay focused, and just, yeah, just try to get the best out of myself. So I knew it was going to be a big jump. So you're going from age group racing, and in my situation, I had been at the top. So I was pretty much rolling into races, you know, kind of with a confidence of knowing I'd be at the top of the race. Um, unless something terrible happened. So when you, when you kind of go into that race, you know, you have a confidence and, you know, you know your worth. And so then going into the pro ranks, you know, now you're going from the top to the bottom again. And so it's kind of learning and getting your footing and your grounding again of where you are and your racing. And so... Yeah, this year has been super interesting going from that because I'm kind of rolling up to races and I'm like, ooh, do I belong here? You know, should I be here? Um, you know, what if I get in somebody's way that's, you know, a veteran racing and all that stuff. So it's kind of the mindset for me. Like I know the training's there, um, the ability's there, but it just comes down to, you know, finding the confidence in myself. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, and I'm here with my co-host, BJ. This show is where we have been sharing stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose since 2016. We're excited to have you join us for this very special episode. We are coming to you from Canyon Bikes Showroom in Carlsbad, California, in front of a live audience. and in the company of some spectacular athletes. Today we come together with KISS Coaching and we welcome co-founder and coach Scotty DeFilippis along with professional triathlete, coach and Scotty's better half, 
Carrie Lester. You're welcome. We met these guys in 2019 when the four of us gathered for our first live podcast here at Canyon. And since then, we've stayed connected. BJ has shared many, many, many Saturday miles with these guys, and we're honored to now call them our friends. Also with us today are three KISS performance athletes and the stars of this episode. First, we have Molly Hebda, who since turning professional in 2021, has five top eight finishes in the 70.3 distance, including two fourth place finishes just off the podium. She recently received a wild card to race against the best in the world at the PTO Open in Dallas, where she finished 17th. Molly served as an active duty Marine for seven years, and her husband is currently serving as a U.S. Navy SEAL. She comes from a family with six siblings, including an identical twin sister who just completed Kona. We thought we saw you out there, Molly. (laughs) All of whom have served or are actively serving our country today. In 2019, Molly transitioned to the reserves to have more flexibility to pursue racing at the professional level. Next up, we have Britt Vock who grew up in Northern Virginia and after competing in every sport imaginable, realized that swimming was her true passion. After college, while coaching swim for one of the nation's most established clubs in Washington, DC, she picked up the sport of triathlon. Before Britt turned professional in 2021, she was found cleaning up in the age group category. In 2019, she was the overall age group champion at Ironman 70.3 Super Frog. In 2020, she was the overall age group champion of Ironman Florida and in 2020, 21, she took the overall age group win at 70.3 Oceanside. During her time as an age group competitor, she qualified for the Ironman World Championship in Kona twice and the 70.3 World Championship three times. Britt turned professional in 2021 and at her first pro Ironman race in Cozumel, she came out of the water first with Carrie right by her side. And this year, she has raced herself into two top 10 finishes at Ironman. Next up, but certainly not last, but although last, we've got Sebastian Radia. Moved, and he moved for, to San Diego with his family from Mexico City in 2016. His father is an avid triathlete, and it felt natural for Sebastian to take up the sport. Sebastian is a top age group athlete, currently found not just at the top of his age group, but frequently at the pointy end of the overall field. Sebastian finished second in his age group and fifth overall at his first 70.3 in Oceanside in 2021. This year, he claimed second in his age group, the uber-competitive Ironman 70.3 Boulder, second in his age group and fourth overall at Ironman 70.3 Santa Cruz. And just last week, he took the overall W at the Mission Bay Triathlon. I could go on with their impressive stats. Seriously, you guys, you should have seen the stuff that they sent me. But I think we'd all rather hear from our guests themselves. So... Right now, I'm going to pass the mic over to Scott and Carrie to tell us more about KISS performance and these burgeoning athletes. Take it away, guys. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, Carrie and I, uh, we had decided in, well, we had this vision along with our our, um, business partner, Brad Williams, in KISS coaching that we wanted to start a, a development program because the three of us had been looked after throughout our careers. And the, the, the last six years of Carrie and I's career, we, we figured out how to go out and, and find sponsorship and leverage our age group base um, to attract some fantastic partnerships, uh, one being Canyon. So uh, last year, we, um, I'd made the decision to retire and, and focus on, 
on full-time coaching and really try and make this team thing work. Uh, Carrie has taken the year away from racing this year, which has allowed her to mentor these guys in a different way, not just being uh, you know, their uh, training buddy every day. Uh, so she's <clears throat> playing a different kind of a role. Uh, and we went to all of our partners last year with this idea, and some of them were, were all in and others weren't. So we've used this, this year to kind of prove that uh, it can work, and I think we are actually pulling it off. So we'll sit down with, with everyone in the next few months and see what we can get going for 2023-2024. Beautiful. Thanks, Scotty. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more, dive into that a little bit more. Um, but, but going back to uh, that podcast in 2019 when uh, we gathered here, uh, you had talked to me after and said, hey, why don't you come join us you know, for a ride sometime? And that was my introduction um, to, the, to the program that you guys have developed and, and allowed me uh, a front row seat in this development experience, being able to ride with the group and, um, and be there to see how they work with their athletes, how they manage um, expectations and, and how, they, how they help um, assist their athletes in fulfilling their, their dreams. And from that day, you know, of course, I had the hesitation of going out with these <laughs> amazing athletes and wondering if I would be dropped off. And that soon passed because they're an extremely welcoming community and, and really believe in the development process and the patience that it takes to carry athletes through becoming a top age grouper to the point of when they want to make that decision to, to go and give the pro lifestyle a shot. So, you know, my first question, um, I'm going to direct over to my training partner over there, Brittany. Um, you know, I've seen, I've been riding with Brittany probably the longest. Uh, so we rode since 2019 together when she was an age grouper and now she, she turned pro and, and is managing the, the pro life along with a job, um, personal life, social life, and, and, um, and all the things that happen as you transition. And so my question is, you know, what has been your experience that you can share with, with the audience um, and those listening, moving from that age group, top of the age group, over to being a professional and what that experience has been like for you, at least in this, this past year? And share as much or as little. Mm, yeah, um, it's been a very interesting experience. So I knew it was going to be a big jump. So you're going from age group racing. And in my situation, I had been at the top. So I was pretty much rolling into races, you know, kind of with a confidence of knowing I'd be at the top of the race um, unless something terrible happened. So when you, when you kind of go into that race, you know, you have a confidence and, you know, you know your worth. And so then going into the pro ranks, you know, now you're going from the top to the bottom again. And so it's kind of, you know, learning and getting your footing and your grounding again, um, of where you are and you're racing. And so, yeah, this year has been super interesting going from that because I'm kind of rolling up to races and I'm like, ooh, do I belong here? You know, should I be here? Um, you know, what if I get in somebody's way that's, you know, a veteran racing and all that stuff. So it's kind of the mindset for me. Like I know the training's there, um, the ability's there, but it just comes down to, you know, finding the confidence in myself. Um, so that's been kind of the biggest um, I would say shift or challenge going from 
the different racing. So it's been fun, but just challenging and, you know, it's just one step at a time. How do you work with that? Like when you're showing up and, and I love that perspective. I had never even thought of it. Like you're really, you're going into this field with, you've got some serious veterans in there and you're yeah. like, you know, you're trying to figure it all out. It's, it's a totally different game I could imagine. Um, how do you work with that when you go in and you're, you're starting to hear that chatter in your head? And, and we, all, we all, you guys, we all get this chatter. Um, and uh, Britt and I were talking on the ride, you know, before we came here. And I'm like, you know, the thing is, like, I wish I had different news, but that's not going to go away. It's, mm -hmm. it's how we manage it. So, um, yeah, how do, you, how do you work with it? Um, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I, I don't really have answers for that, um, to be honest. It's kind of just um, taking a step back and, you know, looking at what I've done, where I've been, you know, what I've done to get to where I've been. Um, and then thinking about the training and just kind of reaffirming, you know, I am worthy, I can be here, I can do this. Um, and I actually had, I used to work with a lady who, um, she was a phenomenal athlete herself in college. And she used to say to the swimmers, you know, don't, don't stress about what everybody else is doing. You know, they're people just like you are. They put your pants on the same way that you do, one leg after another. And so when you kind of take a step back and you realize, oh, they're just people too, just like me, you know, it kind of takes away from that power they kind of have over you, you know, thinking, oh, they're so much better than me, you know. Yeah, that's... What am I going to do? That's a great answer. And that that um, that phrase you just used, just like me, it's actually a, a mind mindfulness technique mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, just like me, they have their favorite pair of pajamas, just like me. Sometimes they get scared, just like me. Sometimes they stub their toe. And it just, it levels the playing field. Yeah. Um, so that's a great technique. Awesome. Molly, I kind of want to send this question over to you. Same thing. Like, what, what's that transition been like going from age group to pro? Yeah, I mean, Brittany said it really well where you are going at the top where you're, you know, I, I remember telling my mom, like, I, I, I'm going to win tomorrow uh, at, the, at the end <laughs> of my age group racing. I was like, or I'd be really, really impressed if, if somebody beat me tomorrow. So you, yeah, definitely come and watch. It's probably going to be good. So then going from like that mindset to like what Brittany said, the bottom and, and you feel like, oh, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm, I'm not as good as um, these other athletes. It's, uh, for me, I think that's how I get the best out of myself. I'm not necessarily sure I was racing at my best when I, when I was, like, going into races, knowing that I would probably win. Um, but going in, like, I don't, I don't want to embarrass myself. I want to belong here. Um, it, it does bring, like, my own level of racing up a notch as well. And... How I handle it is just focus, focusing on small achievable goals that I can, that I have control over in the race. For example, I'm gonna be more aggressive in the swim today. I am gonna try to get up to that first pack in the swim. Or on the bike, I'm just gonna focus on holding certain amount of watts or just being aggressive and going with the race and, and seeing if I can stay with, um, 
the good athletes today. So I think small achievable goals for me has reframed that like big scary thing into how can I execute my best day? All right, Sebastian. You're Hello. up. <laughs> Hello. Um, you're so new to this, um, this arena, you know, this uh, exposure to professional athletes and, and working with a coach. Um, in this short time, what has been one thing that you can kind of pinpoint that you've taken away from, from Scotty and Carrie or, or maybe Britt and Molly that, that you've been able to utilize maybe in your racing, maybe in, in your performance last weekend? Yeah, I think more uh, about having a coach is take some of the pressure away from you from like trying to figure out everything by yourself and having a coach is really helpful in that you just worry about your training and you let the the other job for the coach. So, and yeah, surrounding myself with professional athletes obviously raises the bar a little bit and holds you to a higher standard because this is what I also want to do. Uh, in the future and I want to pursue this as a career as well so I think having uh, being surrounded by professional athletes like even Carrie just shows you the, the discipline and really what it takes to get there and for me uh, really helped me decide whether this is something I want to do in the future because I mean like uh, coach Scotty was saying uh, he always tells me I was just playing triathlon before I joined them which in a way I think is kind of true because I was just doing it for fun and obviously some of the sessions we do now are very different and being able to train with uh, with all of them was very uh, eye-opening experience and just realizing that yes, this is something I, I want to pursue but it's definitely going to take a lot of work but it's it's just good to know since the very beginning. But let's, you know, you're still having fun. It's just yeah, a different of type of fun. Maybe not as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think right now for me, it's it's uh, my main focus is just having fun. I mean, uh, yeah, pressure is something that you have to earn, and thankfully I haven't earned any pressure so far. So I'm just racing for fun and just uh, yeah, just getting more experiences, uh, racing, uh, making friends, and just having fun. Yep. Actually, I have a, I want to throw this back to the coaches, Carrie or Scotty. Either one of you can take this. Um, you know, for, for Molly and Britt that are racing professional and Sebastian that's going to be stepping into that arena. How do you guys as coaches kind of balance that? Like this, like, okay, it's time to get to work and also keeping things light and enjoyable so that m motivation, I don't necessarily love that word, but like their drive to continue um, stays fresh as opposed to just like almost like a, you know, a grind, like a daily commute, like I have to do this. How do you guys balance that as coaches, like this kind of having fun, keeping it light, but also getting to work and getting the, getting the work done? Uh, you, you know, the year is structured in a way that has different uh, types of stimulations. So when you start the year off, you're doing a, a, a more of shorter VO2 work. And then as the year goes on and you get back in, you, into the base kind of race prep. Um, this past year was the first year we took um, Molly and Sebastian away to Park City. And Carrie and I were so lucky throughout our career to spend eight summers in Switzerland. And last 2021, what year are we in? 22? 2021, we went to Park City for the first time to help her prepare for 
uh, Ironman Coeur d'Alene and, and then subsequently Hawaii, which ended up being canceled. And we had been looking for a base to bring the squad. And, and I think we found our, our, our summer high, alti high altitude base. So as the team grows, hopefully uh, that's a way of stimulating the guys, getting, getting them into new roads, uh, different routes, running routes, a new pool, so you're not kind of stuck in that same cycle. Um, and that's something we learned from, from our mentor, Brett Sutton. You know, he, it, when you were trained by Brett, you were in and out of camp, whether it was Thailand or the Philippines or Australia or, or New Zealand, uh, Switzerland. You know, he moved you in and out of camps throughout the year. We based here uh, for a few reasons, one of which is Palomar because that mountain makes you an Uber biker. Uh, and, and if Palomar wasn't here, we probably wouldn't, wouldn't live here, to be honest. Uh, it, it's just such a, a tool to have in your bag. Um, but also the weather. So the idea was that you, you, you know, we really only have to take the guys away in the summer months to get that stimulation because it's, this place is, is by far, in my opinion, the best place to be you know, tw 12 months out of the year, certainly. But um, definitely during the winter months. Yeah, I think um, I agree. Everything you just said, Scotty, with, you know, changing your environment is important to keep you stimulated. And, yeah, we, we had a lot of that. We've had a lot of that in our career. And I, once we found our groove, uh, Scotty and I, when we were both racing, uh, you know, heavily racing, we were moving around a lot. You know, we would spend a summer in Australia or we went... Um, to, to Threadbow, uh, uh, sorry, the winters here we would spend, you know, summer in Australia or Threadbow. And then here, when it was summer here, we went to Switzerland. So we, we moved around a lot. So we were constantly stimulated by, yeah, new, new places, new faces. So whenever we would go to those training camps, you know, we had friends, we met people everywhere we went. So we had different people to train with. Uh, other than our core training group. So we were always kind of bringing new people in that just added something extra to the group, you know, at different times of the year. But something, it's important with the group that we have and it's, you know, I have to rem remind myself about it a lot as a coach. Uh, and now that I'm the veteran of the group, I guess, thank you for reminding me a lot. <laughs> but um, they're so young. You know, Sebastian is 20 and he has, and, you know, he has needs to have fun, you know, go out with friends, go to the beach, you know, go and do things outside of triathlon that if you don't do that when you're young in your early years of developing, it becomes, triathlon quickly can become a chore and you don't enjoy it. So it's, we have a very balanced life. We like doing things outside of triathlon, uh, surf, go to baseball games, just do anything other than triathlon. So and we try and show the group as well, like it's important to still, you know, be able to do those things. When you, ha when you train, you train, but we encourage, you know, to do things outside of the sport, have hobbies. And I, and I think I just want to add to that. There are certain times of the year where you, you have to buckle down, right? And then there's times of the year when you can sort of play triathlon, like, like Sebastian was doing for five years. <laughs> Uh, and and we're, we're we're at the if if you nail that meat of the season, then you can 
kind of unwind. We're, we're entering that, that period now where the hard work's done, go out and race and have fun, and then you shut it down for the off season and start again come, come January, February. I think that's, I think that's where the athlete can, can look at when they finish a race, they can say and actually be uh, affirmative in saying that they gave it, you know, they really dedicated themselves and put, put in the work that was necessary to have the performance they had because all too often we finish the races and we say, well, I could have been, I could have done this and they start, the beating up starts to happen of like, where could I have done this and that? If you plan it well, which sounds like you guys do, you really focus in on those, the weeks leading into the race, really get down to hardcore work. You can go have that race performance, whatever it is, and you know that you're fit and strong. You know, I know when you guys come back from Park City, like, I got to be careful if I'm going to go on a ride with you. Um, absolutely. I might need a head start. But that's doing the work necessary to have that, that peak performance. Um, and this goes to my, my next question I want to ask is, how do you know? How do you know as athletes? How do you know you are, you are putting it, you're putting yourself on the line out there, like you're giving it your all? You're not having that second guessing of, oh, I should I could have done this. And that's kind of natural in the process as you begin to gain experience in racing. But how do you know you guys are giving, giving it all out there? I'll start with Molly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it's something that you learn along the way with um, long distance racing. It's not like you're sprinting the entire time, but the 70.3 distance, which is what I've been focusing on mostly, is kind of this sweet spot between a long endurance day and super fast. So one of the things that I've had to um, learn, I'm still learning as a professional in this distance, is just how hard you have to go in a 70.3, especially on the bike. Like, it's really hard to bike that hard for that long. And um, if you bike too hard, then your run is, you know, not that great. And it's just this constant finesse of you have to go out there and try different things and see what works for you. And um, in the summers, when we go to Park City, we don't have any distractions. We basically don't go anywhere except to train. And that's all we do for two to three months. And then you come back to normal life and um, you have to fit in everything else again. And you have to fit in those, those, that social interaction and going out with your friends. And it can be a little bit of an adjustment period, but... I think giving it your all in a race is, is it's almost like something you have to learn. And I'm still learning it. Sebastian, what about you? How do you know, how do you know when you're giving your best? What does it feel like to give your best? I feel like before the race, like you, you never really know if you're ready, at least in my opinion, like, especially as I'm developing, I feel like I'm not really ready to race. That's what I think in my mind, but I mean, you you never will have a performance that's like 100% goes according to plan or that you will be 100%. There's always something you can improve on. And especially for me right now, there's so many things that I need to go back and work on, but I feel like that's what also keeps me wanting to keep training and be in the sport. It's like there's so many things you can improve on, and even if you think uh, you're getting better, like there's always more. But yeah, before the races, I don't really think you really know you're ready. Uh, 
And then during the race, kind of going back to what you were saying this morning about staying present, uh, I really found that very powerful in my last two races to just uh, leave all the expectations, uh, leave all the chatter that goes on in your mind aside and just really focus on uh, getting the best out of yourself. Uh, you do have to enjoy the race, but I, I mean, there obviously will come a point where you have to push a little harder than you have ever done in training. And for that, I, I feel like it's really helpful for me to just stay present, stay focused, and just, yeah, just try to get the best out of myself. What about you, B? Well, I think um, leading into races, you know, I kind of draw on my training. So I'm a very visual person, and I know, like, we upload our training into Training Peaks. So I know this drives Scotty nuts about the color codes on there. It's like yellow, red, and green. And so if you've completed the training how you're supposed to, it's green. And that's my favorite color. So for me, I kind of draw on that knowing that I've, you know, checked all the boxes and you can, I can scroll through my training peaks and just see green, 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 green everywhere. So, you know, just having that kind of mental boost going into a race, like I know that I've done the work and that the work is there. Um, and so that gives me a boost. And then going into the race, you know, kind of giving your all, I don't necessarily think it's all about physical performance, giving your all, but it's also your mental performance and how um, you're attacking the race and listening to your body. Um, and, you know, being a little bit smart out there. And like, if you feel like your legs are burning a little bit too much on the bike, you know, especially in an Ironman, being smart and backing off just a little bit so that you're gonna have a good run or you'll make it through the bike and not blow up. Um, so yeah, just for me, I think it's, it's more than just physical. It's about the whole aspect of physical and mental and just playing smart. Yeah, absolutely. It's, ne it's never just one thing. It's all the things. It's a, it's a million little things. Uh, and speaking of a million little things, you guys are all have full lives. Sebastian, you're in college. Molly's got two jobs. Uh, racing professional. B's got a couple jobs. Racing professional. Doing pot. She's on the podcast circuit. Um, I want to talk about uh, balance because I, I think there's a... Uh, a myth I would like to demystify that like when you turn professional, you um, rest and you eat and you collect checks and you train and then you get to race. And uh, what I've learned through 335 podcasts is that that is not the case at all. Um, and so Brittany, you're a coach. You also work uh, at, at, at Win, and then you're also racing and training like uh, without having to really like define what balance is, I think we have our own, we all have our own idea of what it is, and I, um, I mean sometimes things are out of balance, and that that's okay too. But how do you manage everything? I mean, getting that training peaks page to look green, which is like every coach's dream. Um, how do you how do you balance it all? Yeah, it can be pretty tough. Um, but I have a really good support system with Taylor. Um, she's really encouraging. And I pretty much, uh, I'm not really by nature a scheduled person, but I've learned that if I wanna make this happen and I wanna ac accomplish my goals, I have to be structured. And so pretty much I know, you know about when I'm going to bed, when I'm waking up, and then I know like, okay, in the morning I'm doing a swim, 
or a bike or a run, like something's in there. I schedule it for right before work, go to work. You know, that's kind of my recovery. I don't think it's too strenuous. I'm not on my feet like I used to be coaching swimming. Um, so it's a lot more recovery than I used to get. And then I know like I'm coming home, I'm having a little bit of a snack and then I'm gonna do my next training session. Um, and then I think just the balance part of it is having Taylor be so supportive of it and taking care of what needs to be done and allowing me to, you know, fulfill this dream of mine and just keep it structured and just know this is when I do this, that's when I do that. Now is the time for family, dogs, all of that stuff. Yeah, I'd just like to say that um, if Tail, if you're racing and Taylor is spectating, uh, she shares that support. Nobody has oh, ever yeah. yelled at me <laughs> and cheered me on as exuberantly as Taylor did. She's in actually Oregon. a professional spectator. She's like, amazing. She so. rolls in with the backpack and all her tech gear, all the chargers. She has everybody on the tracker. She knows where everybody is. Yeah, yeah. if it's a local race, she's got the dogs in a trailer with <laughs> doggles on behind her. So um, whatever races yeah. that Bee's doing, make sure you sign up for them because Taylor will be there to support you as well. So thank you, Taylor. Uh, Sebastian, how about you? School, training, racing, and, and you haven't taken that step into professional racing yet, so that's something you're working towards, and you gotta, you gotta earn the cred to get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think, yeah, school definitely, I actually think it helps me rather than, like some people I know my age that are kind of in making, uh, trying to make this jump to go professional, I think a lot of people decide to go the route and not go to college. And I actually think it benefits me to go to college because as Coach Scotty knows, sometimes I can uh, overanalyze things a little bit or uh, my mind can go uh, get too much into triathlon. And for me, I think just going to school and completely forgetting about uh, triathlon, like I have a test, the professor doesn't care if I didn't have a good session before, you know, I still have to do good on my test. So I think having that uh, balance is really helpful, but at the same time, going to Park City and uh, focusing on triathlon over the summer, it does become a little unbalanced, like leaning more towards triathlon, but I think that's also good. And uh, yeah, coming back home and having school and being able to divide the two really, really helps me and keeps me fresh and not over analyzing anything. What about you, Molly? How do you, you got two jobs racing professionally. Uh, yeah, tell us your secrets. It's a lot. And uh, especially, you know, my husband is gone a lot for work and he, uh, he, he was just gone for six months on deployment. So there was a lot that I had to handle on my own, even outside of those things. There's definitely times where I really, really just want to do triathlon and only triathlon, but it's really hard to do uh, to make a living in this sport when you're new and you're just up and coming professional. So um, unlike Brittany, I actually am a super structured person by nature and thrive <laughs> on structure and love it. So I feel like the more that's on my plate, the, the better my um, the logistics of my day are planned out. So um, Coach Scotty makes it pretty easy in that we have a, have a routine that we stick to and the days are very similar. You know what time you're going to meet at the pool. You know what your Wednesdays are going to be, long rides followed by runs. And you, you have this structure already in place from having a coach that structures your training. And then from there, um, planning out all the tasks that I need to do like in the in-between time. 
and I was very conscious of like what I chose for my occupation. I wanted to triathlon can sometimes feel like a selfish sport because it's it's so much about your own training and your own performance and it wasn't good for my mental health to only be focused on myself so I saw a career where I could give back and so I work in the nonprofit space and I'm giving back to veterans who have served our served our country and I work in the health and wellness space for veterans um, for an organization called Team Red, White and Blue. So in my free time, I get to help other people with their, um, with their wellness journey, which helps, helps me feel um, more well-rounded as a person. I think, that's, I think that's important for athletes to find what specific cup needs to be filled in order for you to excel at the sport of triathlon and it's different for everyone. Um, but sometimes you need to go outside in service to bring back to yourself so that you can continue to pursue this this dream. And being around each other in, in a group and community and, and as Scotty and Carrie developed this program, you know, you can see the opposite ends of the spectrum. You can see the, I, I would like to be more on time or organized and maybe I can be a little bit more flexible. So can you, can you all see the opportunity being around each other to to grow and expand versus stay, stay so narrowly focused. Like I think it's, it's really important to see that contrast. Um, and it shines, a, it shines a bright light, at least from my experience, of where I can bring my game up a little bit. Have you guys experienced that with each other? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of things about these two that I would. Yeah. Let's yeah. get to it. Yeah, I mean we're all, we're all warmed up now. I'm not sure I'd still be doing triathlon if I didn't have people to do it with. It's really hard to do alone, and uh, I really believe that if I had not found um, Scotty and Carrie who live here, and I get to see them in person, it, it would have been really hard for me to do this all by myself, for sure. Yeah, I think having someone else doing those sessions with you is pretty helpful, just knowing that, like, uh, the pain you're uh, doing with other people is, like, what's the phrase? It's, like, half the pain is, like, shared pain is half the pain or something like that. So I feel like that definitely applies here. And I also think, like, whenever... I'm still learning, so sometimes I will show up to a ride and then get like three flats in a row. And I think that definitely helps uh, everyone with their patience, I guess. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the group dynamic definitely helps, like Molly was saying, to stay, uh, yeah, make it more fun. And just this Tuesday is gonna, uh, our friend Twinkle Toes Adriano is gonna get here. And yeah, it's just super fun having more more people join uh, the training. Yeah, it's just the group dynamic. You know, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses, so we can all help each other in some way. You know, whether that's um, getting physically better or being more flexible or being more structured or whatever it is. Um, so we just the group we're stronger together and help each other in some way, shape, or form. I think I'm just going to add in something that Scotty and I experienced as well when we were racing professionally, probably in our kind of mid-years of, of racing. We were both training with Team TBB um, under Brett Sutton and we would go to our, the camps in Switzerland. And something that I always remember, 
you know, when we would turn up to the pool on Monday morning at 7.30 on Monday morning, every week, there was always someone or multiple members of the team that had raced, you know, over the weekend. And some had raced well, won races or podium, had a good race. And then there were others that, you know, didn't have a good race. But the importance of that was that we would all show up together at the pool and just get on with it, you know, whether you had the good race or the bad race. There was always someone there to help you carry on, you know, like it's just having that support network where if you're on your own and things aren't going well, it's difficult to get yourself back on track and find, you know, that direction. But if you have the group there, you don't have a choice. You turn up Monday morning and you're back at the pool and you're back to work all together and everyone's working to get to the next race. And that's what we're trying to encourage with the group. Yeah, and it, it also encourages this, like, letting go. Like, okay, we're back at the pool now, time to move forward. And um, a lot of times we can just drag around these trailers of the past, our successes and, and our failures. And it's super important in order to step into, you know, our peak performance and being the best we can be to let go of all of it that, you know, the yogis say that life is a, pa a passing show. And, um, and to cling to even an instant of it will create tension in your life. So I always think when I come off of a race, uh, good or bad or whatever, it's like the lessons are now embodied or the success is now a part of you, me and I get to take that and move it forward. I don't need to rehash it, rehash it, rehash it. That repetitive neural looping that we are so, so good at as humans. Um, and actually, I think that's a great segue into this question um, and whoever wants to answer it, I'm gonna send it over to Scotty and Carrie, but I'd love to hear from the athletes too, is what do you, what do you think is, or what have you seen is holds athletes back from stepping into their best self, their best performances? <laughs> Expectations. Expectations suffocate athletes. And, and a lot of times, and this is a big, I actually had a conversation with, um, in Hawaii, we were lucky to be around a few of the, of the female pro husbands and uh, we played a round of golf together, actually two rounds of golf. <laughs> and, uh, and Billy uh, Fenella's husband, he and I were discussing that it's a problem in triathlon that this over expectation, the Norwegians have set the bar so high and now you have kids like Sebastian coming up thinking like they're a failure if they, if they don't get to that point and, and you've got to manage that. The, it, it's my job to manage his expectations, help him manage it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think 100% expectation. You, um, it's, it's easy to look around, you know, what others are doing. It's, you know, that's who we are, it's human nature, that's naturally what we do, right? So I think, you know, we try our very best to encourage our team and others and athletes who we coach, you know, to just keep focusing on the, the process, their process, not anyone else's, you know, it's their journey. Everyone progresses through this sport differently. They come from different backgrounds, uh, they have setbacks. Everyone has their own journey in this sport. And it's just to try and bring that focus back to yourself 
and it helps for sure when you have the guidance of a coach or you have the support network that keeps bringing you back to your journey. Um, it's, it's really important because uh, we all get caught up in looking at, you know, the races that just happened last weekend in Hawaii and automatically it puts expectation on people because you want to get to the, the best level you can get to. But look at where you are now and just understand and accept that that, that is where you are and then just make small steps for yourself. But it's all about 100% managing the expectations. Our, uh, remember our uh, Philip, our yoga teacher who we trained under, he used to always say, he's a very passionate guy, and he would always say, expectations ruin the future. They ruin your future. Like, let go of them. Just be right where you are. Move forward from there. You take care of you. And what other people are doing is none of your business. What other people think about you is none of your business. Keep your focus inward and move forward. Um, I'd love to hear from the athletes uh, either your perspective on that, what you think holds athletes back, or your own personal discovery. Um, and perhaps that is maybe a story where you did hold yourself back. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. Expectations, you know, put a lot of pressure on us and can ruin a lot of races. And it's also fear of failure. Um, you know, and putting a goal out there and wanting to get it. And you can go into a race and be like, oh, maybe I'm not going to hit this time or this place or something. And you just have that, that fear kind of takes over and overwhelms you. Um, so, I mean, my advice, not that you're asking for advice, but um, <laughs> of Absolutely. how to... We want, we want yeah. all the advice. I mean, the way that... Because I've seen this with my athletes, you know, swimmers um, and even my triathletes, you know, it's always about setting um, process goals, not outcome goals. And that's what I do for myself. And I know that, you know, even if... I may have a disappointing race or disappointing this or that, whatever, if I can go back and I can look at, okay, I hit this process goal and I hit that goal and I hit that goal. Um, you know, I know that eventually it's going to lead to the outcome goals. Um, it may not be when I want it to be. It's most likely not going to be when I want it to be or when anybody wants it to be, but it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Um, and so just having those process goals, you know, kind of reels you back in and puts you in check. Yeah, I think for me, uh, the, the biggest thing for fighting against expectations, because it is a really hard thing for me to do, uh, is really uh, focusing on yourself and just looking at uh, the things really long term and just really focusing on what you're going to do and not really get caught up with bad results. Because that's something I really like about triathlon is like whether you have a good day or a bad day, you wake up the next day and do what you were going to do regardless. If you, if you won the race, you're going to go swim. If you lost the race, you're going to go swim. Anyways, uh, and also another thing is uh, having confidence in yourself. I think kind of what B was saying about really seeing your training peaks uh, green, the whole thing. That's something that really, uh, as an athlete, gives you confidence, just knowing that you did everything you could to uh, prepare yourself. So I think... Once you do that, there's not much else you can do and just trust in yourself and trust in the work that you've been putting in. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you when I did this very poorly was um, I think one of the things I need to work on the most is just 
being confident and believing in myself because there's been some races where I've been around some really good professional women at some parts in the race and I have told myself I don't think I can stay with them because they're just so much better than me. And I don't think I should be swimming next to this person because they're just, they're too good. And then getting in your head and backing off a little bit when, hey, maybe you could have stayed there if you believed in yourself a little bit more and had a little bit more confidence. So, and I think building that confidence in training is, is important. And then um, the next step is executing it in races. When we first arrived here and, and Jess here at Canyon <clears throat> before the ride and just did that breathing and, and shared with us the thoughts that we have, the thoughts that we create, the thoughts that we, like we're indulging in these, they're very rarely helpful, aren't they? So in those experiences, so you have these thoughts, you're in the race, how are you, how are you ever going to compete or, or be with him? The thread to pull on is that you still continue to move forward and you can still continue to get out there and fight. And I think that's the, that's the quality of, a, of, a, of an athlete who is just committed and, and passionate about believing in themselves deep down that they can achieve what they want to achieve. Um, it's detaching from that timeline as Britt was talking about, like the things will happen. It will happen when, you know, if you get wrapped up in when, man, that's a, that's a suffer fest for sure. You're going to be tossing and turning, but just allow those things to sort of free themselves, but just continue to stay on course with what feels good and, and feels aligned with, with you. Um, those are, those are all good, all good points. I want to, I want to hear, unless you had another question, I want to hear, um, me from Scotty and Carrie, what, what your vision is next? You know, what, 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 where does this go? Where does this development go of KISS coaching and the development of the athlete program and bringing a community together here to come train in Southern California and Park City? Like, this is where you've come to. And we, looking at the past is good. Like, you see where, how far you've come. Now you're here. Now you're here in, in Southern California training um, every summer in Park City. Where do you see it going next few years? Um, well, hopefully... Sebastian's little sister is going to join the squad in the next 12 months because <laughs> she's chock full of talent. Um, it's good to hear the guys recognize um, the value in the group dynamic. Uh, I've, I've been very outspoken in, in the way I want to coach people at this level. I only want to do it in the group dynamic um, because it benefits them. It helps them grow in, as human beings and be less, less self-centered, which is why we've structured the business side of things the way we have uh, in, in the sharing of commissions of sales. So our, our age group, for example, when we sell bikes here for Canyon, we're putting money in their pockets. Uh, same with, with apparel and, and nutrition. Um, the coaching business, uh, Brad, Carrie, and I decided this year that we're going to give them bonuses. So if you finish top three, uh, we give you a bonus. Uh, there's no coaching companies out there that I know of that are doing that. Um, how we're going to grow, we, 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 just like the business, everything is word of mouth and very organically. Um, I'm arrogant in that I know we are a great team and offer a world-class program, um, but we're not going to get into the business of poaching athletes. We want athletes to kind of hear about us and then come to us. Um, 
I would love to start some sort of a development program with kids. I think part of what makes the Norwegians so special is that they started young. And I don't, we don't know what's going to happen with the evolution of the sport, right? These kids are so young and they've been doing triathlon for so long. What's their body going to be like at 30? Their endocrine system. And I, I always thought the best upbringing for, for junior athletes was exactly what these two did. Cross country, track, and, and swimming. Not forcing triathlon because it's so hard on, on your body and mentally just committing to it. So in a roundabout way, we're going to find out. Are we, at a, are we at a spot where the sport has evolved to a point where we're like golf and tennis and, and you've got to get kids in early? Uh, or can you bring people along a little bit slower? Like, um, what's her name? Who, who won the PTO? I always forget her name. The American girl. Taylor. Taylor. She, she was a cross-country swimmer and dabbled with the bike. That's a more healthy way of going about things. So we'll see. Um, but there's definitely an interest in, in helping some juniors if they're interested. Uh, sure. You kind of just summed everything up, really. I'm not, sure much, I'm not sure if I can add much more. But, yeah, it's really just to grow the team, the development team. So these guys ha have more athletes that they can train, but then they can also, you know, one day they're going to be the veterans of the group because we can't go out and ride with them anymore. You know, we're getting to the point where we're too old uh, or we can't keep up. Well, we don't want to keep up, okay? You can so, ride with me, Carrie. We don't want to keep up. When you guys get too slow for them, you can come ride with me. But, you know, it's all about, you know, just bringing through the next generations, like, constantly. So, eventually, they will have development athletes that are looking up to them, and they're leading the group and mentoring those athletes, and that's going to make them feel good and confident that, you know, they've gone through the process. They're the experienced ones. They know everything in and out about the races that they can share with these new athletes. And that's fulfilling. So, you know, we want, we want to be able to grow that team. And then, you know, we have the age group team as well that looks up to these guys. Um, so we just, we have our community and we just want to keep growing it and allow them, you know, to, to benefit from it, make, make a living from it. And yeah, it's, it's a great sport and it can be a great life if, if you know you follow the path and stay the path. Oh yeah, stay the course. Uh, I think it's super exciting. It's really cool to sit here and, and you know, in five, 10 years, we can reflect back on this, on this day and, and see where you are now. And I think the sport of triathlon is in a really like what's gonna happen kind of phase and it's growing as it, as it continues to do. But um, really honored to be here with you guys. Uh, love having you in our lives for sure. And I wanna open this up uh, to our audience to see if there are any questions. Um, you've got all these amazing uh, people here. If you have any questions, nothing is off the table. Um, anyone? Yes, come on up. I want you to have the mic. What do you guys love most about triathlon? Loaded question. <laughs> they need the mic. Uh, this is a hard one, but I don't know. I just really like the lifestyle. Uh, 
I like, I do like the races, but I think you have to love the process to really stay the course, like Harry was saying. And yeah, I just, I just love everything about it. From, I mean, obviously there's there's sessions that you <laughs> you you just gotta do. You know, it's just a grind doing that. Uh, last little hill up, Rincon, one on our Palomar rides. That definitely is not something I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, character building. <laughs> but uh, for the majority of it, I really enjoy the lifestyle of it. Uh, I think it's a pretty healthy way to live your life. And I enjoy just, yeah, meeting friends uh, and making friends through triathlon. And I think uh, all the people that are involved in it are really amazing people. And yeah, everything that surrounds the sport, I, I really enjoy the, the environment and the training and the racing, of course. Okay, um, I love exercising. <laughs> and I love that triathlon lets you compulsively exercise with a purpose. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of what Molly said, but I just, I'm a very active person. I can't just sit at home all day uh, doing nothing. I mean, I can when I'm recovering, but like if that was an everyday thing, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd go crazy. So just staying active, um, getting moving and, you know, being a part of a group and also meeting a bunch of people along the way, um, people that I probably never would have met ordinarily outside of triathlon. Like I'd never would have met anybody up here if it wasn't for triathlon. So, you know, making... Um, creating a healthy lifestyle, um, being active, and then meeting people along the way. Yeah, the lifestyle, it's so addicting. Anybody else, questions? So I have a daughter, and the question is around starting children young. Um, there's the talent experience, and then, what was the last one? It, was, it sounded so good in my head. Um, <laughs> either way, uh, like, obviously, like how you said, Scott, um, as you go through life, what you do develops your body in that light. So what would be the the more, like, um, best way to expose your children? I, I do music and stuff, so I'm thinking, like, three-year-old on a guitar or, like, three-year-old on a bike or, like, you know. Um, but, yeah. And when did y'all get started, you know? Were you young? Oh, passion, you know? You see a lot of passion, talent, and experience, so... Is it the passion? Because, you know, you have the kids that grow up and they're like, I hate this. My dad made me do it. Or, you know, oh, man, I love this. And my dad got me this. Or, you know, so, yeah, just in, in that realm, uh, kids. Uh, well, we don't have kids yet. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but I have nieces and nephews. And you, I, I think there's no right or wrong way to raise your kids um, you've just got to, my observation is let them do, let them find their passion and then support them in any way as you, the best way possible so that they can pursue their passion, whether it's music or it's sport, it's, it's really, um, up to them and you can tell, right? Like what your kids are into. Um, when I was a kid, it, it revolved around the seasons. So in, in the fall, I played football in the neighborhood. And in the winter, it was ice hockey. And then in the spring, it was baseball. And then finally found my way to, to uh, long distance running. And that became my, my passion, which led, led to triathlon. Does that answer that question? You know, I, I agree with the kids and, you know, letting them find 
what their interests are, like what sport, like let if they're into sport, let them play whatever sport they want to play until they, you know, they're going to find what they, what they enjoy. Um, if I was, if I was going to encourage, I mean, I'm obviously Australian, so I grew up swimming. I was never a competitive swimmer. Uh, my, my mother never wanted to take me to the early morning swim practices. She wanted her sleep. <laughs> so that was her, that was, she was focused on that. But, um, you know, I grew up playing lots of team sports, actually. Um, netball, softball, water polo. So I was more kind of the team sports, but I also ran track. So I kind of had a balance of both the team and the individual achievements as well. Um, but if I was going to put my, you know, the one thing I always regret is swimming. Like I would have swum more had I have been more focused on maybe triathlon and, and swimming like early on. And I see a lot of um, sort of late teenagers and and athletes in their kind of early 20s that discover or want to, want to discover triathlon and they haven't swum, they haven't grown up swimming and it's the hardest thing to learn to do when you're an adult. So for, for kids, if you can get them in the pool at an early age and they enjoy it, it teaches them discipline, um, they follow a coach, you know, it, it teaches them a lot early on and they carry that into into any other sport. It, all, it also helps them burn a lot of energy. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if I can add this, if we're, if we're talking triathlon, so my nephews are soccer players and all of the kids in the family, we're all cut from the same cloth. Every single one of them can run. They just have it. You can tell. You go to a kindergarten class, you can see which ones can run and which ones can't. And all of my nieces and nephews can run. And um, my nephews now are at the point where they're pursuing soccer and I'm dying to get them into triathlon. Just get them swimming. And they can both swim. And they, they, can, they can swim, but they're not in a, in a program. But they're not my kids, you know. I, I, say to them, <laughs> I, I call my sister and go, listen, let's get them into, into swimming. And it's funny because my nephew uh, called me on the phone a few weeks ago and he was upset because he's getting bullied on his soccer team because he goes to the Catholic school and the soccer team is, is the club public program. Mm. And so he's not in the same school as them and they're picking on him. And my sister, my sister's in the background going, well, maybe he, you know, it's time he tries to swim. You know, I go, this is a great idea. Get him in the water. He can play soccer in the spring, in the fall, and in the winter, let's get him swimming. So anyways. I think... Um you know, uh, gosh, I guess I've, I've been professionally in some capacity in like a healing arts therapy type of profession for a long time now, a couple decades, um, you know, first with the body, with massage therapy, working with a lot of athletes, um, doing a lot of trauma release with shock trauma, athletes who have been in accidents, uh, and then now working with them in mindset. And a, and a theme that I see, which really shocked me, um, but it doesn't anymore, is that there's a lot of people that don't know what they want and they don't know what they love. And so as you observe your daughter and you watch where those natural gifts are, um, 
bringing awareness for her to notice those as well, you know, so that she grows up knowing what she loves um, and that she's, she's able to uh, harness those gifts and share those gifts and own those gifts. And, um, and those are the ones that come really naturally and the ones that, you know, it's like the uh, you'll never work another day in your life type of things. Uh, and so I think garnering that awareness at a young age is so important because she'll never, she'll never lose that. And that was encouraged um, for me by my mom um, from a very young age. Uh, she is uh, a huge contributor to the mindset that I have. And that started as long ago as I can remember. Um, so I think that there's never too early to start just, just mindful practice, being aware of what we're doing while we're doing it and how it feels. It's massive. Um, okay, anyone else? All right, I think we're gonna wrap this party up, but before we do, I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about what canyons we're riding. Um, so I have a Canyon road bike. I've got the uh, Endurace. I bought it back in 2020. Uh, so three years prior, I had sold my TT bike, just taking a break from triathlon, and all I wanted was a road bike. And so I snagged this road bike, and it was just like a natural extension of my body, and I absolutely love it, and I feel like I'm a kid again, and probably racing like a kid uh, in a way which I think is good. We gotta get more childlike in our adult life. Um, so I absolutely love it. And uh, we were down in Costa Rica in May for a five-day cycling challenge, some of the craziest climbs ever, like upwards of 30% pitches. And there was a local tica, uh, Tico that wanted to buy it. And I was like, okay, all right, well, when we go to the park, you can ride it. And I said to BJ, I'm like, I'm, I'm, just, gonna, I'm just gonna give it to him. BJ's like, all right, hold on, like, hold on. You're not just gonna give your bike away like you have a race. Uh, thank God it didn't fit him. It was way too small for him. Uh, but, um, but I would, I would give it to someone just so that they could have the thrill and the excitement that I get every time I get on that bike. Yeah, and this guy, Tony, was actually stalking me on Instagram. He's like, that's the bike I see. That's the bike. Um, I have the Speedmax uh, 8, I think it is, from 2019, roughly. Uh, love the bike. It was a big commitment for me, um, a big commitment um, in myself as an athlete. Uh, it sort of committed me to, I want to take that next level, so I need, you know, top-of-the-line bike. There was a point there where I was always like, ah, I can just get by a used bike or... But then when you commit to yourself, uh, watch, the, watch the pieces and the puzzle fall into place and you just see how it all unfolds. And I was able to race it uh, last week in, in Kona and that was a dream, a dream come true. Yeah. BJ, I have the same bike as you. The Speedmax 8 from 2019. Um, I love that I have a blue bike. So um, yeah, like moving to electronic shifting was a big big game changer for me, I would say. But uh, yeah, I am really jealous of like the, the front end now that Canyon has on the, the, the new ones and just having a fully customizable front end uh, would be the dream. Yeah, I also ride the Speedmax. I am yeah fortunate enough to be riding one of the new ones. I really like it and yeah, I'm super grateful for Canyon for letting me ride their her newest bike but yeah it's amazing i really enjoy the adjustability like molly was saying it's super comfortable and just uh being able to stay in aero <laughs> the whole the whole race 
And I also ride a Speedmax, uh, but mine is the time trial version, so it's not a tri-bike, so it's a little bit different dynamics. Um, but it's a very cool colorway with blue that shades into black, so it looks really nice. <laughs> well, as I'm the veteran of the group, almost the veteran, I am also lucky enough to have the most bikes out of everyone. Thank you to Canyon who have supported Scotty and I for many years. We've slowly added to our collection of bikes, so we now I can now choose from the Speedmax, the Ultimate, or the Lux, which is the mountain bike, which has thrown a whole new <laughs> level of uh, adventure to our to our training programs this year. I, I will say that I still haven't quite embraced the mountain bike. The mountain biking, I'm much more comfortable on the road, and I absolutely love riding my ultimate. Um, so that, that's my choice of bike at the moment. Maybe next year I'll get myself back on the Speedmax, we'll see. But um, I've been, yeah, very grateful to have the support of, of riding the best bikes in the business and I'm gonna continue riding them for as long as I can. <laughs> uh, well, I no longer have a TT bike because I gave the blue movie star paint job to Brittany which uh, was an honor to see her race that bike this year. Um, so I have the ultimate, and I name my bikes. My ultimate is Suzy Q after my ma, and my mountain bike, uh, I have the uh, Exceed, I, I called Tony after my grandpa D. Um, so I really enjoyed this summer embracing mountain biking for the first time. I, it was something that I always thought I would do, but I never had a bike, and... And uh, we're so blessed with the partnership with Canyon that I was able to get a, a mountain bike this year. And so I think uh, mountain biking will be, I'll spend the most time in the saddle mountain biking as the years go by versus the road. Well, I just want to thank everybody, uh, our audience, for being here, these amazing athletes. Scotty and Carrie, thank you so much uh, for asking us to, you know, provide the space for this podcast to be recorded. Christian from Canyon, you are my audio hero. We got this thing all locked and loaded. Uh, we will be posting this up on YouTube with the video. Chris from CJ Media, you got to check him out. He's got amazing videos on YouTube. And... Um, a wonderful uh, website in Duras where all of the proceeds and all the proceeds from his YouTube channel uh, are donated each month to different organizations that support our Mother Earth, uh, which without her, none of us would be here. I also want to encourage everyone in the audience to come and peruse the candy in the Canyon showroom and everybody who listens to this. We're in Carlsbad, California. Um, We've got a camp in January, so come on uh, down for that camp and uh, come check out the showroom. And thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you all. We really appreciate it. Thank you.